Season two of Mighty Morphin is devastating. I've been watching season two for my Power Rangers podcast with no idea how any of the exits happened. And my God, they did them so dirty with the video slicing, not Jason VO and fake actors. Not to mention absolutely shitting on them every time they were apart from Team TKB. That's Tommy, Kimberly, and Billy. Also, I'm fine with Ranger replacements, but a ninja encounter was terrible. And the fact that power transfer takes multiple episodes before it happens with a shitty two-parter was just icing on the shit sandwich. I'm fine with the replacements, but they should have just ripped it off like a band-aid versus what they eventually did. And this is, this is one of the top comments. Yeah, Saban nearly sank his moneymaker because he was a greedy egotist. All the actors <laughs> wanted was fair compensation too. They were being paid less than minimum wage at the time, while Saban and his associates were millionaires. Can you even imagine being the Red Power Ranger at a time when Power Rangers was the biggest kids show in the world and making less money than a cashier at McDonald's? So uh, there's another comment below that which explains the accounting for like money and stuff. So basically, I think we said before, uh, Austin St. John, I believe, um, was making $600 a week playing the Red Power Ranger, which was well, which was about three times what a cashier would have made working a full 40 hours at the time. But he was working 80 to 100 hours a week, which put yeah. his pay at about 6 to $8 an hour. And this is on the Power Rangers subreddit. So this isn't like some like socialist podcast or something, but it seems like it's all in agreement that, hey, this was corporate greed that led us here into season two and with that being said welcome everybody to the sentai truther club i am your host grav at gravcast and with me is my lovely co-host kennedy t cooper how are you doing today brother um you know you know your joke about how i brush this question off harder every time well this is the hardest brush off yet this this week has been bad ranging to worse ranging to terrible and uh you know what so has season two so let's let's just yell about this i guess <laughs> all right so we start we start season two with the mutiny uh so we reviewed the mutiny extensively i believe it was zed wasn't really propped up all all that he was made out to be on uh, this one it was kind of underperforming in my eyes at least Mm -hmm. And um, definitely not as good as Rita, especially after a while of constantly seeing like just him just using his wand and doing Zapparoo. Now the Power Rangers will get it, you know, or, or something stupid like that. Yeah, pretty weak. It was pretty weak. Uh, there was a lot of reused footage. There was a lot of other parts in regards to like the character development of the Rangers that was good. Like them, for example, doing those dialogue scenes in the suits uh, with the helmets off. Uh, Tommy showing like how unsure he is of himself because he constantly needs to get uh, recharged by Zordon for his Green Ranger powers. So that type of stuff was good. But uh, also, I mean, you had the entire Bulk and Skull subplot, which just meandered and took too long. And like I say, with most things, three parters, uh, you could cut it off by like 15 minutes, probably. You can do. You could cut off like ten minutes, maybe, of footage from it, and it would be a much more powerful arc. You could pretty much just not watch the middle. 
Like there's already some like inconsistencies in timeline and you know, like that kind of continuity error anyway in some of the footage and storytelling that exists. So just skip just skip right through the middle. <laughs> yeah. And next what we have is the green dream. Kennedy, what was this episode about? All right. So the green dream is like they have to write an essay and Tommy and Kimberly are having like a weird dynamic and Tommy's having like nightmares and he's he's afraid that he's going to lose his powers and he thinks that the dreams are prophetic and Kimberly is like, uh, maybe I don't know about that, Tom, you know, kind of like, yeah, we shouldn't be assuming the worst, but she's kind of concerned too, as I recall, and it's just kind of like, OK, you know, this is kind of seems foreboding and Tommy gets captured because he's walking alone and Goldar brainwashes him or, or, or tricks him or something. Cast a spell on him more or less. Yeah. Using Cast Zed's a spell uh, on him. Yeah. To like go get the sword of power from the Rangers. And there's just like this robo goat character. <laughs> right. Who has Wukong's uh, staff as well. Am I forgetting anything before Robo Goat shows up? I can't remember. But uh, it's yeah, Robo Goat shows up. Brainwash Tommy is tricking the Rangers. He gives the sword to Robo Goat. But when the spell breaks, then Tommy gets upset. He realizes he's betrayed his friends. But his powers are fading while he's trying to fight. The other Rangers show up and they're like, you know, it's like a usual like we fight, we get bigger, we keep fighting. But like the whole time, Tommy's powers are just like in trouble, obviously. And like the rest of the team has to kind of pull together to like save the day. And it's clear at the end of this episode that like Tommy's powers as the Green Ranger are kind of over. And yeah. that's huge. Yeah, this was like a prophetic dream episode where we see Zed really lay into Tommy. Like he is hitting this angle with the Rangers because he knows that without the Green Ranger, the Rangers are done for, right? Like, Tommy is the yeah. key to success. And so Zed and, purposefully and, is, like, hounding him and, like, applying pressure to Tommy, and it's getting to him. Uh, this is yeah. Tommy at his most, like, nervous, I would say. This episode was pretty all right. Like, I wasn't too fond of the robo-goat. It, it was an average episode, I would think. Um, there was a, a bit of character development that was good, especially between... Kimberly and Tommy like that relationship was decent like the portrayal and stuff of like Tommy being unsure of himself and Kimberly is like giving him the space that he needs but also like making sure that she's there for him and it's sweet I just don't think that the rest of it is anything special unfortunately yeah. this is really hampered by the Zord fight because the yeah. Zord fight this is when you notice like heavily that the Zord does not interact with the enemy like it does like this like Bushido slash that is clearly green screened over the enemy and the enemy just kind of like topples over. So it's, it's not good. And I think that's what really drags it down because that's the main fight sequence. Everything else is yeah. just... It, it, because it was a one-parter, everything else was just Tommy being brainwashed into getting the sort of power and then dealing with that. The Green Dream is like... It's like, the, it's like a quintessential episode of what season two kind of is, right? Because like season two Nightmare. has a lot of... High concept storytelling, you know, and like kind of big, broad themes. And we've talked about the fact that, you know, Power Rangers really addresses these longer story arcs than a lot of other things of its time. And season two in particular is like really diving into this in certain interesting ways. But like the Zord fights are bad. There's a lot of inconsistency. 
and like it's just kind of meh. You know, like it's not that exciting anything that's going on for the most part. And like like these these story arcs involving Tommy are great. These like there are these I don't know, there are these moments, you know, the bulk and skull story arc for the season is like pretty good. But I don't know. It just felt like so many things. This was one of those episodes like so where much bulk and skull actually almost found out their identities because this he had yep. the energy reader. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, bulk is a rich kid. A rich fail son <laughs> like he just got a he just completely made like an energy meter like he doesn't have that display of intelligence clearly so he must have got like some scientists or whatever some private scientists to like make it for him he gets really close to finding out about them of course you know for the sake of plot that can't happen but yeah right i think that sort of development was good too i i just when i think of the green dream i don't think of like a, a fantastic episode even though it is a one-parter I do think, though, it, it suffers from it is like what you were saying, how it's a good example of season two because it, it tries to be high prestige television. But because there were so many concessions made with corporate, it hampers the final product. Yeah, it's just so hard to like really compare this to season one and not feel kind of frustrated. Season one, you have excellent opener, a couple of really great like multi-part story arcs kind of tucked away, especially like. Uh, green with evil um, the green candle doomsday you know stuff like that season one has its failures for sure but season two has almost all the same failures uh, for instance season two's ending is just like season one in that it's another episode that just kind of is like this could be any episode of the power rangers this does not feel significant to the story this doesn't feel significant to the characters that much this is just like what it's an okay it's it's actually maybe one of the better episodes of the season in some ways but it's not a good ender and it's like once again we're looking at that same problem so it's like again a lot of things haven't improved from season one but a lot of things have gotten worse so <laughs> there's just a lot of frustration with that and i'd like to hear your opinion on this grav because i thought much like season one Season two should have ended before it did, right? Uh, season one, I, I made the argument, it should have just ended with Doomsday. You know, it should have ended with that two-parter, with them at the end uh, saying, no, we'll continue to be the Power Rangers. But like, you know, Zordon kind of telling them, hey, you've mostly kicked Rita's butt. Like it's, it, you know, the situation has changed. We've done it. So that's like how season one, I felt should have ended was with Doomsday. Similarly. I thought season two probably should have ended with the wedding. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a bit. I do want to stress, though, that I think I know what you're getting at, and I agree. Because I think what you're ultimately getting at is that this feels like they're stretching out season one. Because it's still playing off the same motifs, just with a similar villain, right? And I can right. see, I can envision, like, a product, right, that was given to creative and didn't have Saban's, like, corporate greediness interfere, where we could have had Doomsday happen, and, like, after Doomsday, Zed could have been in return of an old friend or something. That could have been the main reason why they had to get Tommy back and figure out a way to get Tommy back, you know? From yeah. Season one. Like, that could have yeah. easily happened. We could have ended season two with the introduction of the new Rangers if they really wanted to do that. It feels weird for a show that puts so much effort into these long 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 plot lines you know 
Like th- this show literally calls back to shit that happened like 40 episodes ago. And it's like, hey, do you remember that? Because that's happening again. That's right. It's relevant again. <laughs> I think because in the mutiny, Tommy the whole time is getting like, he's getting like the sweats, right? By the time we get into the next episodes, which is Green No More, I really do feel like we get a little bit tired. Like I, I get tired of hearing Tommy bitch about the fact that he's running out of powers. And I'm watching the filler guide episode. I'm watching the filler guide version of this, you know? There's actually an episode discrepancy here that it wasn't really canon, but it was on the Den of Geek filler guide where it's nothing really happens, but there is like some Kimberly and Tommy relationship stuff. Yeah. Kimberly sings him like a foreshadowy song about him like losing his powers or whatever. And uh, there's a, there's a, a scene in there that a lot of people seem to symbolize with the fact that hey, they have sex, where it's the Green Ranger's uh, dragon dagger is being put into Kimberly's bow. And then she shoots it for one of the enemies. And, you know, it's like putting the dagger, he's putting his dagger in her bow. Ah, you know? I see, I see. (laughs) (laughs) And we skipped that episode, right? Because that's like the main thing about it. Like, that's really it. There's no, like, Things that carry on and we can already see how much Tommy and Kimberly love each other. But by the time we even get to Green No More Part 1, I'm like, God, Tommy, shut the fuck up. We get it, bro. <laughs> like, we get it, man. Is that all you want to talk about? You don't got any other yeah. happy here? Yeah. There's a lot of repetitiveness and a lot of this stuff. And even in the, this is again, this is in the filler guide, you know, we're not supposed to be watching that much filler, but it's like, did we really have to watch the green dream, green, no more and missing green? Like I get it. You know, Tommy's losing his green powers. Like I, I don't, you know, like four episodes to tell me something that you could tell me in five minutes. I think the problem is that the <laughs> mutiny also starts with that type of stuff. Because, like, Tommy's like Tommy's performance in the mutiny was also like, guys, I'm losing my powers. My powers. Yeah. yeah. You know? I agreed. Um, and then we get to Green No More. And in this one, there's, like, a coral sea monster that Zed's unleashed um, that the Rangers have to deal with, uh, who seems to be pretty powerful. Uh, it could one-on-one Tommy in a fight. We're introduced to, like, these evil Rangers that are just, like, the Power Rangers but shitty, like they're just shitty human beings. And says like, oh, we need those people. They also know Kung Fu and they're exactly like these Rangers, but evil. So his whole plot in this two-parter is to um, strain the fuck out of Tommy to where Tommy can't be of any use and then use these evil Rangers to defeat the Ranger, the the regular Power Rangers. And let that be that. And so the A-plot mostly is like Zed wrecking havoc. And the the evil rangers and and setting up his plot points for the second parter and beating the fuck out of Tommy. That stuff's pretty good. The evil ranger stuff, half-baked at best. Like, the the acting is so corny. Uh, It's not believable in any way. There's no dynamic other than they're being assholes just to be assholes. And I get they're not necessarily supposed to be relatable, but it's just completely unrealistic. And I say this in a show that has, like, giant kaiju... And people like morphing into super powered versions of themselves, right? And like, right. but like the acting is just almost like it's not a good performance, I would say. Like, 
I feel like a lot of the time the acting can be a little bit kind of after school, especially, but it's like you just sort of take that with the territory and it's fine. But then like sometimes you get these actors that come in for certain episodes, especially in season two, that just really feel like they walked straight out of community theater and have read these lines one time. You know, I wouldn't even say that. I would say like they literally like just hired people off the street or like got their friends and family to come for these scenes. It feels like they're reading off a script. And the problem is, is that these Rangers, like these actors for the Rangers are seasoned enough to where largely all of the original Rangers, all of their acting is great. Unfortunately, you know, we'll we'll get into Ranger rankings in a bit. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for that either. Um, (laughs) Like the original actors are so good at this point for 90s television that when you bring non-competent actors into the mix, it completely botches the whole episode. Like to where it's just not as punchy as it normally would be. Because you'll get actors that feel like they're reading off a script or they're too corny. They don't take it seriously enough. It's like I I look back at Jason, right? I want everybody's acting to be Jason with like varying degrees of emotion. Because like if you're going to be in action sequences, give me the full performance. Give me the the raw emotion that comes with that. Don't give me some half-assed performance. Yeah. We make it to Green No More 2, and it, it sees like this one-on-one between Goldar and Tommy. And Goldar is just to- like, this almost was one of my favorite episodes. And then there was a plot point that was in here that completely botched the whole episode for me, <laughs> which was the time warp. In Green No More Part 1, there's like a a one-minute sequence where Tommy gets a message from his future self. He he just says, communicator. And Tommy's like, huh, maybe I should keep my communicator on me from now on. But no, that's not what Tommy got out of. He's just like, that's weird. The person just said, communicator. Huh. So in Part 2, Goldar versus Tommy, it's fucking sweet, dude. Goldar is like making Tommy eat shit, knowing that he doesn't have any powers. Tommy does some kung fu and shit and start, you know, he he does that one-on-one with Goldar and he's able to take him on. He's able to get this device from Goldar that activates some type of like thunderstorm. And Tommy, in the exact same outfit, says, hey man, this is a time warp. Here is your communicator. And the day is saved. He's able to like save the rangers, save the day by that. But I'm like, none of that shit makes sense. All you had to do was Tommy just have the communicator on him and then <laughs> do the, if they were going to do that time machine thing, use the portable time machine to go back in time and tell him, hey, make sure you have your communicator on you. Therefore, you yeah. know, completing the time loop and it making sense. But no, they didn't do that. It's just like, nope. hey, man, this is a time warp. Here's your communicator. I'm like, what the fuck is a time warp? What does that mean? <laughs> are you crossing dimensions from alternate timelines like what the fuck is going on it doesn't make any sense because of that one crucial plot point it drags the whole episode down i was about ready to give it like an eight or a nine and then that happened and i was like oh no this is actually like a five this is a four <laughs> <This> is just... <laughs> i just can't dude it's like why write all that in then and keep up that mystery if that's the execution that you're gonna give me Again, another example of season two debauchery. It's just so bad, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm so frustrated. Like, yeah, <laughs> this show I, is normally more fun angry. to record. 
we we laugh a lot while we're we barely laughed in like the first like 15 minutes of recording this like we're just like on edge of like freaking out about how bad this children's tv show season was um <laughs> i mean we're not lying but... like in the, in the episode we did with eleanor our expectations coming out of the mutiny was like fuck dude you know because it was just like, man, I feel deflated because I can tell that this is not going to be as good. Yeah. With the yeah. execution of the opening arc. Opening arcs um, are crucial. And like they fucked right. it up. They fucked it up big yeah. time. It's very, it's very and like, poor. It, and like once I got to, I think once I got to Green No More Part 2, I was like, oh no, this is actually just not going to be good. But what do you have any final thoughts on Green No More before we move on to Missing Green? No, let's talk about Missing Green because at least that's like, getting into some of the places where season two like you know had a little bit of shine on it like missing green is kind of is okay um uh, missing green is more than okay yeah <laughs> like, i mean I well if yeah there's, if there's like five <laughs> episodes like if you had to do like top five episodes of this season missing green is one of them oh easily yeah it's like a nine out of ten episode i would dare say almost a ten i remember not liking one thing about it. Oh, I didn't like Tommy's exit. That's a little was goofy. Because like, it was just like, oh, where's Tommy? Oh, he's away. He went away. Also, they, and then they, they showed a video of him like writing a letter with white pants on the ground. They watch him through the viewer, which is just a little weird, I thought. You know, isn't that like creepy in a way? Yeah, he didn't even mail out the letter yet. <laughs> like, how, what if Zordon like just presented this letter? Like, how much better would it have been? And cost saving would it have been? Had they just, Zordon just went, here's a letter from Tommy. He said he had to go and that he was going to go away for a while. And then they just took the letter out of the viewfinder and then read it. You know? Fuck the cost savings. Like, use the footage of Tommy writing the letter too, but just do some typical cinematography, typical, you know, film storytelling type stuff where, yeah. So, like, Zordon's like, actually, Rangers, Tommy left a letter here before he went. And then they pick up the letter and they start reading it and then it cuts to like Tommy writing it, you know, as like a like a sort of like a, a fade montage, you know, like just do that. And then it's just like that's just normal cinematography. It's not this weird. We're spying on Tommy while he writes this letter, which is kind of fucked up, I feel. <laughs> hey, man, Zordon's got clearance by the Patriot Act. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, missing green missing is green. great. I mean, it's 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 you're 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 dealing with Jason, you know, continuing to struggle with himself and all of those themes and just all of the Rangers trying to figure out what to do without Tommy. And it's a great theme. And it's it's themes we've seen before in the show, but it's not like we're seeing them again. And it's like, oh, it's this again. It's like, oh, it's building on, you know, other themes we've seen in a in a constructive way, I think. And it's just a pretty good, solid experience. And it's definitely a, a a faint light of hope in an otherwise dark expanse. Although this we actually upset. It, like it, if we, it, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm saying this made me upset in the context of the season because this is what we could have had, right? Instead of what we got, even with the goofiness around the edges of like the worst parts of Missing Green, if all the episodes had been at Missing Green's level, would have been incredible. Oh, dude, like yeah. Like, you know, you can you can have a tiny bit of weirdness. This is a children's show, first of all. 
And second of all, I'm not unforgiving. Like you have to do every single thing perfect. This is the but best yeah, one-parter that we've seen so far. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that we've seen so far for sure. Because a lot uh, of the best episodes of Power Rangers involve like multi-part episodes from what we've gathered. Especially so far. I think that maybe gets a little different later, but right now where we're at in the show, it's like a lot of the one part episodes are sort of throwaway. And like, I've watched a few that are outside the filler guide and they're usually just not very good. They're usually just pretty boring and like very just like monster of the week. Uh, whereas usually the multi-part episodes in the older seasons were like, oh, this is when the story is happening, you know? Yeah. Speaking of which, white light. Okay. <laughs> So we, I've already <laughs> said that White Light Part 1 is my favorite episode of the season, that and Missing Green. I would say both of them are almost the top. I might put, it depends on when you catch me. I might say, some days I might say Missing Green is better than White Light Part 1. Some days I'll say White Light Part 1 is better than Missing Green. I would have <laughs> sure. said White Light Part 2, Kennedy, like how <laughs> you say White Light Part 2 is better than Part 1. Well, I didn't say that explicitly. I just implied that it might be. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. <laughs> so let me explain to you why White Light Part 2 is not as good. First of all, uh, Tommy comes on the scene and he's like Jesus as he comes out of this light uh, that's in the uh, in the command center. And it's kind of implied if you watch White Light Part 1 that Alpha 5 was experimenting on him like Frankenstein. Yeah. And what makes we it talked about that. What makes it's it great. even worse is the fact that later on when you get into like the Zord fights, because he this is like the reveal of the white tiger Zord. And mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a bit. But the he acts like a completely different person when he's a white ranger. When he's in his suit, he is much more emotive than the Green Ranger is. The Green Ranger <coughs> is way more serious and stuff. And the White Ranger, when it's portrayed on screen, is much more emotive. So Tommy just comes off like a like a douchebag. He just comes off as like completely narcissistic at times. And it stems all from this episode. And it's because like when he gets into the White Ranger suit and he starts fucking up shit, he goes, yeah, woohoo, all this shit. Like he's like fucking like pump faking and shit when he's like celebrating. And I'm like, bro, you never used to gloat like this. But suddenly, he's doing all these, like, gloaty voiceovers. And they're like, damn, Tommy, you got it going on. It's like um, Goku arriving on Namek as a completely changed man. And he's, yeah. like, fucking killing, like, Berter and Raku. And he's like, haha, I'm Goku. You know? It's almost like that <laughs> type of shit. Yeah. Which is um, not I, like Tommy at all. I agree um, a lot. Yeah, it's definitely... I don't know if this implies more about like our kind of weird conspiracies about like the suits and like morphing and what that's really about. And if it's like you are fusing with something else, you know, um, but also even if you just ignore all of that weird shit, I think, you know, you can just look at this as like Tommy comes back from the loss of his powers, a new a new person, right? Yeah. Like he comes back with like a completely new lease on what it means to be a Power Ranger because when he loses his powers for real, he's very broken up and, you know, goes to like take some time away from everything. Like he's in a bad place, you know, <laughs> he's all in his feelings. And like, so he comes back 
And then he gets to come back as the White Ranger. And uh, I think he's just, he, he just can't help himself this time. He's just so excited to be back that he's just a little drunk on the power in a way that he wasn't the first time. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, I guess I could agree on something like that. It is, I, I don't understand why. I think the thing is, though, is that take <laughs> away the suit from Tommy. What do you have? You have, like, an excellent martial artist who can go toe-to-toe with a being that's, like, 200 pounds heavier than he is with wings. Yeah. And shit, right? It's like I mean, Tommy really is the Goku, like you say. Yeah, but, like, that's without powers. And then you suddenly give him the powers and he just like changes into like this. I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like, uh, <laughs> it, I don't like, I don't like what Tommy has become. <laughs> He's let the white ranger power come to his head. The white power ranger. <laughs> oh no. Let's, let's not start those jokes already. Um, we'll get nothing else done. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like the change because Tommy has gone through so much. It's not just in this loss of his powers now. It's really like this entire arc of his powers being flaky and him losing them the first time. And then now all put together, I think really justifies this sort of change in Tommy's behavior where he's like, yeah, I'm the White Ranger now, and I'm crazy as hell. Like, get out of the way. I'm Jokerfied. Like, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't. Okay, 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 okay. I don't disagree. All right, I'm not. I'm not saying I disagree. I think he just went from being Clark Kent to Goku. Right? Like, Clark Kent still has a bit of like still has a bit of confidence that he has to like hide and appear like he's a regular human being, right? But he also is very attentive. He's very introspective and stuff like that. And everyone is kind of balanced around him. And that's this season of Power Rangers. So how Tommy acts now with the white Power Ranger power, it's normally something that would be reserved for a different color Ranger. Like, I could see, like, the Red Ranger getting like this or something. Like, a new Red Ranger getting like this or something. But not, like, specifically Tommy's character. Mm, I don't know. See, the thing is, is that as much as we think of Tommy as, like, the, the, the Superman or whatever of this saga, in a lot of ways, there's always that power dynamic, right? Where it's like the Red Ranger is the leader, kind of. And then the, the, the green slash white Ranger... <laughs> is like kind of the leader and kind of not it gets more and more interchangeable as time goes but the initial impression of tommy is that the red ranger is the leader and what tommy is is he's like he's like uh your super weapon you know he's like it's like he is the dragon balls more so than he is goku in a way it's like they just like they summon they summon tommy and it's like tommy we're making a wish, fix our problem. And Tommy's like, I got it. Doesn't matter what it is. I got it. Um, you know, but then like, sometimes you can't find all the dragon balls, you know? And it's like, Oh, sometimes Tommy can't morph. Cause there's all these weird problems with his powers that come and go, you know, <laughs> like, um, but it's like, that's kind of like the way that he comes across at first. And so I, I feel like that again, kind of justifies this to me actually more than like a red ranger doing it, because I feel like, 
whoever is the Red Ranger is supposed to be taking on this mantle of like level headed, sort of like steely, um, clear purpose and vision and like, you know, rallying spirit, all those kind of just like, you know, just 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 this like strong leadership. But it's like Tommy is like he's like the he's like the rail gun or whatever. He's like this, you know, this weapon that just like shows up. I don't know. So I think it kind of justifies that white ranger attitude because he's like, yeah, I'm back to be your super weapon. And he's just like drunk on it. He's intoxicated. He can't believe that not only is he back, but he's actually more powerful than he was before. How crazy is that? He was already the most powerful ranger. <laughs> Sounds like an addiction side effect to me. <laughs> <laughs> But like, just think about that, you know, it's like you're already the most powerful ranger and then you come back and you're even more powerful. That's wild. That's got to go to your head. I was watching I was watching the boys recently and it's just like there probably is an alternate timeline where the Green Ranger is like the Homelander-esque character. Right, where he's just like completely drunk off of power, bases his whole personality around what people think of him, and like just goes ham, right? Does like war crimes and shit. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I can agree. Like, I, I don't mind it so much as like, I don't think it fits the character necessarily, but I do think that with what's coming up, they've kind of had to do that. Yeah. So, what we've got next is the Ninja Encounter, which is a three-parter. We've already said the Ninja Encounter Part 1 is the worst episode uh, ever of Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, it might be the worst piece of television that I've ever watched. It's low on the list. Very low on the list. I, I don't think I've watched, like, I don't think I sat down and watched something for 20 minutes that was as bad as that. Like, I think I've watched something that was maybe 20 minutes or, like, a movie, and I was, like, fast-forwarding. I think the Fantastic Four movie that flopped in the 2010s, I think it was, like, 2015 or something, 20, I think it was around that time. The Fantastic Four movie in 2015 had better value of a watch, and that was a shitty movie, than The Ninja Encounter Part 1. I, I legitimately think that is, like, the toughest thing that I've sat through. And I and I was gone. I was faded when I watched that. And that didn't help. <laughs> that didn't help at all, you, actually. You can't be faded enough for something like that is the problem. You need it's to be just, asleep for something yeah, like it, that. It's 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 a it's a coma. It, there's no content. There's it's terrible. The entirety of the ninja encounter is this really pathetic way to introduce new rangers. And it's not even that the new rangers are bad like i don't care that we're swapping some characters out that much i mean i miss zach the most of course obviously of the people that go and i kind of wish that you know he could have stayed on but like otherwise i mean like jason's kind of boring trini's a generally very terrible character most of the time like swapping out for some new characters isn't really like oh i'm like i'm like oh no i need the originals like it's not even about anything like that this is literally just a dumb way to introduce your new heroes. The heroes themselves turn out to be fine, but they seem so bad. Yeah. Just bad. <laughs> yeah. 
You're you're having like, me change around my <laughs> rankings in my head of the Power Rangers. I, I had a set order going in, and I'm like, no, nah, I, I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, like the the way they introduce the new Rangers and having them show comparative skill by who can catch a berry carriage that nobody seems to want to stop that's holding a toddler in it oh, stupid. and it goes like 20 miles per hour down a hill and the new rangers are wearing rollerblades and the regular rangers are running and they're like oh haha we're, we're exactly the same hee <laughs> and it turns out they're like the this ninja team that's from a different high school and they're going against the bad ninja team and it's just, it's not good. It's not good at all. It's, it's actually like a zero. It's a goose egg. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think there's television much worse than this. It's very hard to find it. You have to actively go out of your way. And that, that's the difference, right? Like you have to actively go out of your way to watch bad television that's as, quite as bad as this. It's not as easily accessible as just you turning on like Power Rangers and sitting down and watching an episode or two, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, I don't even intend to really summarize the Ninja Encounter that much. I don't have that much to say about this. It, this this shit is bad. The part one is really bad. Part two and three, at least you get like the plot happens, whereas in part one, nothing happens. Like, but the, literally, but the thing is, is that the happens. power transfer doesn't happen. So it, it right like, instead of not instead of they should have. I don't know. They should have just got rid of this. Uh, they should have just scrapped this whole idea. Uh, they should have... The, the power transfer, a monster of global proportions, Z-Wave, all of these next upcoming episodes until the end of power transfer could have been done in three episodes. All of them. Yeah. You could have started agree. with or the UN plot, got the, <laughs> got the... I like the UN. I like the UN part. We're suddenly... So we sign it. We finally find out the machinations of this world, which is teenagers who go into adulthood get selected based off of like good grades and the values that they exhibit. Get selected to change like global policy, so that way it's always better for the next generation. Like imagine that. Imagine a world like that. Of course, I, that's we don't actually find out brilliant. It. Obviously, like the way I describe it sounds amazing. But we, it literally took up until the power transfer, like the end of power transfer for it to all come together into one. You could have started with the model UN plot of like, hey, we've got all these people coming in from all these different countries. We've got, uh, it could have been an international thing. Power Rangers sure. going international and just have each of the new Rangers come from the different countries. Unfortunately, that probably means we would have gotten an Israel Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh no she's no, the don't, only that, one that got a voice no. line <laughs> oh that hurts my heart yeah. um, uh, China, uh, Mexico <laughs> and uh, I believe an African country I can't remember the name of right now like introduced themselves and Israel was the one that gave like the opening deliberations to like their model UN or whatever and you're like we hope to learn a lot from your country and I'm like yeah you guys learned the best of police brutality uh, oh, it's so true. I can't dispute any of this. I wish I could. <laughs> uh, here's a controversial take, or well, it's not that. Con I mean, it's not like controversial, but it's like here's a here's an interesting thought. I should just say, is uh, as much as I like the way that when is a ranger not a ranger played out. Like, think about this. They should have had introduced the new Power Rangers in that scenario. They should have had the new Rangers 
save the old Rangers who were mind washed instead of Bulk and Skull doing it, right? Like, and now this isn't to say, because again, this was actually one of my favorite episodes from the season. So I don't actually want this episode to be replaced per se, but I'm just saying like, wouldn't something like that make the new Rangers actually look cool if they saved like the old Rangers while they were helpless, right? Or something like that, that actually felt significant. Um, that would actually make the new Rangers look like, oh, hey, these guys are competent. They're, they're, they're tough, you know? Um, and then like, uh, uh, there could be a thing about like, you know, how, like, what are we going to do about them knowing our identities? And then Zordon, they could be at the command center and Zordon could be like, actually, I solved that problem. <laughs> and then they step out in the Ranger outfits or whatever, you know? And like something like that would have been like, oh, these guys are strong. These yeah. guys are tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, like you could have had this model. You could have fit all of that into five episodes. And instead of having to watch, how many episodes did you watch for the season? Instead of having to watch 26 out of 52, we could have watched like 21. Like, I, like I, we I'll go way further. I'll go way further. I feel like you could have crammed all the really important shit to like eight episodes this season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I know we kind of glossed over a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of episodes, but it, it's like between the ninja encounter all the way to the end of the power transfer, they dangle Aisha, Rocky, and Adam in front of our faces the entire time, and it it completely plays out uh, horribly because what ends up happening is is Trini, Zach, and uh, Jason, they are off screen most of the time. And we're focused on Billy, Kimberly, and Tommy uh, interacting with Aisha, Adam, and Rocky, and then going, oh my God, you guys are so cool. <laughs> you guys are great. You guys, you're the real heroes. You know, like, that. that's what, that. that's how they sound. That's how they sound. Yeah. It's awful. Even the power it transfer was supposed to be like dank as fuck because... According to this story, Zed goes to a different world and gets Serpentina, which is this giant, like, dragon sword almost that can obliterate worlds, it seems like, or at least obliterate cities in one go, but requires a lot of energy. And, like, the whole thing was is that they had to get a sword that they would then transfer their powers over to the new rangers and all the social... Like, all of that is bad. All of it. Zed waves is okay, but even then they do, like... They again do Jason, Zach, and Trini like they do them like dirt. With they were constantly making yeah. the red, yellow, and black ranger look like shit, all for the sake of replacing them. But yeah, no, nah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, it's just there's so many things. And then I just want to tell, and they 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 get really sexual. I feel this season, like the politics <laughs> of this season is very like on the nose because I think there was you know there was rampant homophobia, mm -hmm. especially against uh, David Yost. Who in real he's he's the uh, actor who plays Billy. He's gay, and uh, they bullied him for a while. And it seems like this season, I guess the viewers at home were like, "Oh, Billy's gay," or whatever. I guess I don't know why, but just because he's weird and he likes nerdy shit or whatever, and he doesn't necessarily take an interest in women in that season outside of that one Blue Ranger episode. So in yeah. this season, they make Billy pretty like. Like, hey guys, I fuck. <laughs> I get dates and I fuck. And here he is, like, 
and you get this from a monster of global proportions where he's going on a date with the uh is israeli and i'm like billy no billy stop ask her about palestine billy billy no what are her views on palestine billy and like you'll get into other episodes uh goldar's vice versa was another one where you'll notice uh once it gets up to like around this part i think after the white light you start noticing more and more that a lot of the scenes actually do take place here wherever they're filming i think it's in america at this point in uh in season two but yeah um, yeah they're 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 doing a lot more episodes where it takes place actually here so because they do that there's a lot more fighting sequences that happen hand-to-hand combat and they're good they're generally good it's not enough to make up for the bad like story parts in these in these episodes but they're good uh goldar's vice versa yeah. though this takes place after adam rocky and aisha come into the fray and just to just to go on about how they really try to make Billy be like, hey, guys, I'm straight, by the way. I break up with a girlfriend after two weeks and I just get another one because, you know, that's, that's <laughs> how I do things. There's a dance that Adam is trying to get a date to or like he's feeling pressured more or less to get a date for this dance because they're all like, Adam, you don't have a date, you know, just typical high school bullshit. And. And I was like, no. And Billy's like, yeah, I haven't been asked yet. And a girl straight up asked Billy, like not more than 30 seconds later. And Billy's like, oh, yeah, of course. Let's go. (laughs) And Adam's acting is fantastic. I love Adam. Adam was a pretty good replacement for Zach. Yeah, I don't want to get too into this yet, but when we do the ranking. Yeah. And in this episode in particular, uh, they do this really cool thing. Where Adam's date originally is Scorpina in disguise as like a regular human. And it's awesome <laughs> because she morphs into Scorpina and I'm like, holy shit. Like it actually looks like Scorpina. Like it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. No, I think Adam's Adam's acting is great. Um, we get treated to a bulk and skull moment here that <laughs> is grody. <laughs> Like Falcon Skull, do not find out the identities of the Power Rangers in this episode, but they do find a love. Their love interest <laughs> is the opposite gender of their best friend. So yeah. like, Skull's 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 love interest is Bulk, but as a woman. And it's the same thing in reverse for Bulk. And it's so weird, dude. It's so fucking weird. No matter however it's portrayed, it's so fucking weird. Every scene. There's there's a lot of issues there <laughs> that no one seems to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, the Megazord fight, which is, of course, against the Goldar and Scorpina, was also pretty good. I also want to mention that the White Ranger's dagger talks. Uh... And I don't think it's the fault of Saban, right? That's just... That's just taken from the Japanese footage, but I don't like it. I don't. What like is it. the fault of Saban? Is that terrible voice that it uses? It's like the 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 White Ranger's dagger has like a stereotypical like Batman Jarvis Butler type AI. voice, right? Yeah, like just oh god, it's the dagger's just like oh, what shall we do today, Mister White Ranger? <laughs> like I don't. What is this supposed to be? 
what is this no <laughs> yeah i don't like it i will say what i do like though is that this is the first time that we see a ranger get into a zord and say like a move and the zord corresponds with like a special move because the white tiger zord has like the fighter mode or whatever that it gets into tommy will just do a like hadouken move or whatever right with his hands and the Zord will then just fire out fireballs out of its chest. I think that that being the start of like, hey, the Zord is symbiotic with the Rangers is awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really cool yeah. aspect of it. But unfortunately, like the Bushido Blade Megazord or whatever is still trash. So it, it completely messes up those sequences. They introduced like the Titanus equivalent this season as well, which mm -hmm. is a green tortoise. Not good. Just looks, really it just looks really bad. So, like, yeah, that drags down the episode. But I actually liked Goldar's Vice Versa. That was a good episode. It was good Adam character development. You get When is a Ranger, Not a Ranger. This one is one of Love your favorite episode. episodes. Yeah. We've, we've already described it before, but I got to say, Bulk and Skull are peak Bulk and Skull here. They're, they're at their best. I like them a lot here. Yeah. Very likable in this episode. Um, really at their best as characters. Um, just a fun concept for an episode. Uh, you know, this is just a good time to remind ourselves this is a kid's show, you know? And like an episode like When is a Ranger, Not a Ranger is like an ideal, like it's a fun thing from that perspective. Um, but it's also, it's good storytelling. It's good cinematography. Watching it as an adult, I wasn't like, oh, this is goofy. It's good, but it's goofy or something like that. Like I was like, no, this is a, this is a good episode of the show. Um, this is solid. Um, I don't, it's just, I, I think especially maybe in a different season, I wouldn't feel the same way, but especially given how little there is to like here, um, an episode like this, which felt very fan servicey in all the right ways, um, was just really fun. Uh, and I, I thought it was just a, a good time. And it, and it was like we talked about before when we talked about it. I'll just reiterate that it's that it's that moral of. You know, even regular people can save the day sometimes. Even people with no powers, no special abilities. Yeah, um, all of a sudden people they can that, get radicalized. You just never know. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, people that further Bulk and Skull aren't even just like regular schmoes. Do it. It's like these these are knuckleheads, right? These are people that are, you know, presented all the time as like the goofballs of the show. And even they can save the day once in a while. That's a cool message. Um, so yeah, when is a ranger, not a ranger, very good episode. Um, the new rangers also like they hold their own with the acting in that episode, which is gr great, you know, and like, again, like the new rangers are fine. I, I think the wheels slowly start to fall off for them this season <laughs> as it continues. Cause I, I remember also saying the very same thing that you're saying when I came off of when is a ranger, not a ranger. And then you just start to see that the cracks start to appear. Uh, we get treated to the wedding, and Rita Repulsa is back, baby. She gets out of her yeah. dumpster. They have an um, uh, okay. So how do I explain this? Uh, so she works with her servant Finster, who gets her a new makeover, and essentially mm -hmm. they replace her with an American actor to play Rita, and it's. <laughs> amazing i love her <laughs> i love this woman 
whoever she is, she needs as much credit as the original Asian actor that was for the role from uh, Japan because her performance on screen is fantastic. She looks like she is having so much fun. And the fact that she doesn't have to worry about a vocal performance because they dub it means that she just gets absolutely bonkers on screen. She over-exaggerates every single movement. It's amazing. She looks like she's having fun. She like Her level of fun is the exact same level as the putties this season. Because the putties will just like introduce themselves in the weirdest comical ways. And then they just go... <laughs> Or whatever, right? Yeah, and pose. They pose a lot this season. Like, all the putties will appear, and they'll all strike the same pose. Like, Ginyu Force type shit. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's having as much fun as they are. It's it's hilarious. I love it. But yeah. this also saw Alpha the best episode with Alpha 5. Alpha 5 goes yeah. fucking ham in the wedding part one. He gets this, like, evil disc in him, or whatever, that changes his programming. Or whatever, and basically he's telling Zordon how he really feels, and then like puts a bunch of Instagram filters on Zordon's face and is like, "Look at you now, can't do shit now." Uh, honestly, when the Zordon, when the Zordon like goofy face thing happened, I was like, "I can't believe this isn't like an edited thing that I'm watching." You know, like it just felt like this is something that someone added later in like a YouTube video. Or so it's just so funny. I honestly loved it. I I will actually say this is maybe like a bit of a, a spicy take. I don't think any of the individual episodes of the wedding are great, but I think the wedding might be the best like multi-part storyline in season two. Just like as a whole. I really thought that like, I don't know, it just seemed like a lot more well realized than a lot of the other storylines. Everything was pretty consistent and coherent. The use of the Japanese footage was like clean with like the sliced in American footage. Like everything's pretty like great in that regard. The acting's like still like it hasn't quite gone to the point where it's about to go in terms of the new Rangers kind of like losing their footing with the acting a little bit here at the end of the season. I don't know. I thought the wedding was like none of it really stands out as like excellent, like eight or nine out of 10 episodes. But it's like, this is one of the best story arcs in the season, probably. It's and I best. really, like I said earlier, I think it should have ended here. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think it should have ended here, but I think they could have done it better. Because the whole mansion part where the rangers get stuck in a power vortex where they can't <laughs> access the grid <laughs> to like get out of there and teleport out, that whole stuff took way too long. Part two, Very goofy. part two is a snore fest. I, I don't think part two was that fun. It was cool seeing all the villains on screen again attack the Rangers and stuff, but I think part two is a snore fest. Part three was actually pretty good, but also kind of a snore fest in the fighting segments. But the the actual wedding itself between Rita and Zed was amazing. They had like a whole ceremony yeah. and everything. They danced. There was a bunch of funny gags and moments in there. I loved it. I thought a lot of the Rita Zed moments were really good overall. Yes. That's actually the best part about the back half of season two is the Rita and Zed moments. Yeah. It's a good dynamic. It's interesting. It really shows us a little peek into a, a side of humanity to the villains that we didn't necessarily know was there. Wouldn't have necessarily known was there any other way. Yeah. I 
think that Return of the Green Ranger Part 1, though, I think Return of the Green Ranger is the stronger multi-part arc. That's fair. There's a lot more hype behind it. And considering that they had to, like, put up or shut up about the American footage, they went extra hard <laughs> this time around. And, like, Return of the Green Ranger Part 1 would have been my pick for, like, number three favorite episodes. And, like, I, I told you, like, Missing Green and White Light Part 1 is, like, nines or tens, depending on what whatever day you ask me. Return of the Green Ranger Part 1 is a solid nine. Like, that's that's, like, one of the best episodes. And in this case... It also has some of the weirdest plot elements, and I think that's what makes it a little bit more intriguing. Because, But I think that's also where it fails a little, maybe. So you get treated to this Zed villain that I guess Zed made an alliance with called, like, some wizard. I think he's just the wizard or something. And uh, uh, Wizard wizard of deception. Yes. I, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> uh, this wizard, Zordon's, like, scared of him. Like, Zordon actually shows, like, he's like, oh, shit, they brought this guy. And the dude looks goofy. He's obviously a guy in, like, a Halloween outfit that they just added some CGI to the face. But for some reason, his performance still comes off as, like, really sinister and not as, like, comical as you would think. Yeah. And the Rangers are now in Australia because they're filming for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, but you're not supposed to know that. And so... <laughs> Bulk and Skull gets brainwashed into trying to cut off a piece of Tommy's hair so that way they can make a clone of him. And the episode, like, there's a bunch of, like, antics that happen here and there and stuff. And it's, it's kind of funny. And Kimberly and Tommy have some more moments together. There's some cool action sequences. But what mainly happens is, is that the wizard is able to get a lock of Tommy's hair. And it drains Tommy's powers quite a bit. And not yeah. only that, but the wizard is able to make a successful clone of Tommy. Like, not like something that's made out of putty. I'm talking like a living being with like a soul. Yeah. And the episode ends where it's Tommy versus Tommy. And it's the Green Ranger versus the White Ranger. And Tommy's like, you know, about, like they're about to like really get into it. And it's great. It, it's captivating. I want to watch more. Ultimate, like, dangling carrot at the end of an episode, you know? Yeah. I think it was fantastic. But when you get into, like, part two and three, part two was also good because we got treated to more Green Ranger versus White Ranger. But what ends up happening is, is once they start getting into the suits, you start to see reused footage. And then that's when it's just like, ah, I've already seen this before. How many times do I need to see yeah. Dragon Sword eat a smokestack? The, yeah. You know, part two ends though pretty nicely where they tease the Dragon Zord because he's got the Green Ranger power. And so he's doing the like Dragon Flute ability. And the Dragon Zord, you just see the water splashes come across the ocean and shit. And so they kind of tease that at the end. And now it's not as brilliantly edited as like scenes like that would be nowadays. But I could see as a kid getting hyped over that stuff. Sure. Sure. I think what comes apart at the end of Return of the Green Ranger Part 3 is the, the, the footage. I think that the reuse of, like, the Dragon Zord footage and all this other stuff, it's just, it's just not good. As we said, there's, there's very few good Megazord fights this season. The weird new Bushido-themed Thunder Megazord, very mediocre. Um, a lot of the combat scenes are very bad for the Megazord fights because they're using footage from multiple sources, and so, like, the the 
the megazords and the monsters aren't fighting directly you know because they're not in this there's there's no shots of them in the same place um and so it, yeah it's it's just like disappointing with a lot of that stuff i don't know and so yeah i think that's like that's a consistent thing that lets us down a lot i feel like for sure is just like over and over again we're treated to these megazord fights that just none of them really stack up to the season one fights for the most part like the best ones i would say the power transfer which we glossed over somewhat comes close to maybe bringing like the best megazord fight of the season possibly but it's still not that good <laughs> I think there's maybe three <laughs> three Megazord fights I could say are good. The one where the red dragon sword got into fighter mode and had the javelin and shit. That, yeah, that's missing green, right? I yeah, think? missing green. Yeah. That dragon sword yeah. fight was amazing. The white light one with the white tiger sword fucking shit up. And I think when they combined all their Megazords together onto the white light, uh, white tiger sword fighter mode, and then you had the red dragon sword fighter mode and they teamed up together against one of them. And then the there was one where the Bushido Zord uh, actually did like fist fight one of them, and that was a big yeah. surprise. And I was like, "Holy shit!" And then that was all right too. But that's probably because it's like the only time it does that. So there's two different theories about why it was like this. I I can't seem to know for sure which is true, or maybe both is true. So apparently, the reason why they didn't introduce the new Zords, or sorry, the reason why they didn't introduce the new suits was because of toy deals. But I also heard that the reason why they didn't introduce the new suits and use that footage is because that season of Super Sentai was actually really religious. And it yeah. had a lot of religious imagery, which is the a no-go. No yeah, that's a no-go in the States, at least around that time. <laughs> yeah, it would seem very bizarre to American audiences to use some of that stuff, for sure. <laughs> so after Return of the Green Ranger, there's just two episodes left in this season that are in the watch guide. There's the best man for the job. That's uh, Kimberly um, and Tommy fighting each other. Yeah. They get into like a relationship spat and it like spills over into like actual putty fights and shit. And there's like a dude's rock moment. where I was like, <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, Goldar really is misogynistic, huh? Oh, yeah. They're not paying attention to Goldar while uh, the pink and the white ranger are fighting. And so Goldar just straight up punches the Pink Ranger. I was like, wow, out of all the free shots you could have taken, you took it out of the Pink Ranger. He sure does. He sure does. <laughs> this episode's great. I like it. I like it. It's not like a 9 or a 10. It's like an 8, but it's a great episode. I like it. Maybe even a 7, but it's a solid 7. It's pretty. It's, it's fun, which I, you can't like say seeing... about a lot of season 2. The reason why I think it's a great episode, just to clarify, is because... Seeing the White Ranger, who is a different actor and is like way more eccentric, be argumentative towards the Pink Ranger while you have Tommy doing VO work over it, it's great fun, dude. Like with the hand it movements is. and everything, it's it's fucking amazing. And then Zordon gives them like magic roses that makes them see that they were being controlled by Rita and Zed. You get treated to like Rita and Zed fighting each other and shit. And says, like, I don't even know why I married you, but you're my wife, so I guess that's it. Because the love potion <laughs> wore off. It's another dynamic right. that you get to see. You're like, yeah, no, Zed actually is a simp slash incel. Super big time, yeah. In this episode, too, there's a <laughs> class elections or for, like, the student body of the, the school. And so the whole reason that this started was because Kimberly and Tommy 
were running for school president or class president right. or something like that. So they had to each. Yeah, they're running days. against each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> there's this part towards the end where Kimberly, Tommy, and Bulk are giving their speeches on who should be class president. And Tommy is making this impassioned speech saying that Kimberly deserves to win. Please vote for her. I know I will. But he doesn't he doesn't withdraw from the election <laughs> in that speech. So because he doesn't withdraw and he ends the speech or whatever, my wife goes, Tommy wins the election. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the type of shit you could imagine in real life where it's like the dude's like, I really think this person should win. And everybody's like, aw. But he doesn't withdraw from the race. So that he that person ends up winning because he says that on a Tuesday and the elections are Friday and everybody has the memory of a goldfish. Well, it's like Joe Biden and Barack Obama talking about how women are the best leaders all the time, right? Like they both do that. And it's like, OK, well, if that's the case, why didn't you help a woman get elected president instead of becoming president yourself? Barack Obama, if you really think that women are much better leaders than men, why didn't you do that? Um, it's like that's kind of you, you get a little slight bit of that vibe from the way Tommy handles this, where he's like, women are better leaders than men. I'm voting Kimberly, but also maybe vote me. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> Thankfully, the students of uh, this high school saw through the facade and voted for Kimberly anyways. So that's good. So she wins the election. So I, I think that was a great episode. It turns out that even Skull voted for Kimberly. Yeah, even Skull <laughs> voted for Kimberly. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fun it's a fun one. Like I said, there's not a lot of super fun episodes this season that you just like laugh and like crack jokes and have like a good time watching. But this one for sure, like go watch this one if you enjoy just watching like a, a really funny episode of 90s Power Rangers. And then we've got Blue Ranger Gone Bad. <sighs> so like I mentioned before, this is another one of those frustrating endings. This is a fine episode. In fact, it's better than a large number of season two episodes, I, I would okay. say. I think um, you're getting tripped up here. Like, I understand you want to end on these big epic arcs, right? That have, like, really awesome finales. But I actually don't mind the fact that the... Like, once I watched this, I was like, you know what? Maybe Oyster Stew is a masterpiece. Maybe I am going to drink my own Kool-Aid on this one and say that I'm all right <laughs> with having, like, a happy-go-lucky type of last episode, you know? It just feels like, like I was saying earlier, for a show that cares so much about long plot lines... Why wouldn't you tie that into the season ending better? Especially because every season beginning so far has been significant. You know, like it just feels kind of weird to like end on this very like, oh, just another day in Power Rangers life note. And then the next season begins and it's like, oh, actually, it's never mind. There's crazy things going on. Like it just feels like. And this is just me being like, you know, wanting it to be a little bit more like typical television. But there's a reason that we do things that way um, <laughs> uh, to just say, you know, it would be nice if they just ended the season on like a little bit of like, a, uh oh, what's going to happen next? Or, oh, it's, you know, just something that felt significant. This feels so insignificant once again. Um, and again, it's a fine episode, like on its face, it's a fine episode. But 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> this has problematic shit in it. <laughs> like, yes, that's there, true. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of things in this episode that are just wowie. So the main thing is is that they have this pottery class that they're all a part of. So they're playing. They're actively playing with putty. And so I'm just like, why? Why? We already know what's going to happen. This gives it away entirely. One of the putties that's going to be in this room is going to be the monster of the week. You know it. Uh, and so One? I think you mean two. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> Billy's character, it, first of all, my man's Billy, he got the swag, dude. Him in the white, <laughs> the white plaid shirt. Holy shit, dude. No wonder, man. <laughs> He's got yeah. the fashion sense. This guy is well-dressed. And they I think they made it an effort to make Billy well-dressed this season. Because, like, my man is styling and profiling this season. <laughs> Definitely a lot more so than season one, where it was, like, a lot of the same overalls and blue t-shirts and shit. Billy's got um, confidence. He's got the smile. He's got the contacts. <laughs> He's got the hard lens contacts that he has to make sure to take out or else his eyes are going to be shut and he has to go to the hospital. He is rocking it, dude. He is like, he's like, yeah, buddy. High school is amazing for me right now. I just, this scene is so weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. So um, Billy gets this new love interest, I suppose. Uh, yes. And sure. she is a, she's a creep. Like, I love Billy. But I ain't no fucking creep. This chick went through intensive effort to make a statue of Billy using clay to make it look exactly like him. And everybody's like, yeah, this looks like Billy. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Billy's the best. And I want everyone to know. That, Billy's kind of like, little... uh, yeah, he's the only one with a sensible reaction to everything. He's just like, uh, you're crazy. Get away from me, please. <laughs> like, clearly just to, uncomfortable. I, I want to reference season one for a second. Um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but we talked about it a bunch. Oh, was it Peace, Love, and Woe? That's what it was. We talked about how cringe Billy's love interest was in Peace, Love, and Woe. But at least you could say that she was just falling in love with Billy on very honest terms. Even if she was like a creepy, like doll collecting lady or something like that. Like she wasn't like, she didn't like spot Billy and she's like, oh, I have to have him <laughs> or something like, you know, she's just like, they, they, they meet at the juice bar and they have a cute conversation and it's cringe because they're both being fucking weirdo nerds. Um, but like, still, it's like, there's an honesty to it. This shit is creepy city. It is this is fucked up. She has this a is nothing smile too. <laughs> like <laughs> this is completely even compared to like how weird that love interest was, this seems worse, less healthy and more frightening by comparison, which is saying a lot. Um <laughs> like goddamn uh, if someone made a statue of me like that, no warning, just unveiled it, like, hey, look at my statue of you, I'd be fucking freaking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah she and she wants to show it off, too. It's not like she. this is like a birthday gift or something. Being like, hey, I made this for you, or something like that. She's literally like, no, this is my class presentation. This is our class project. And so, like, right. yeah. Another thing, 
Tommy is saying, man, dude, I can't get the hang of this. My man's has a clay face that he's making that's absolutely nightmare fuel. I'm like, <laughs> you've got all different sorts of things wrong with your psyche, buddy. You need to go to a therapist ASAP. Holy shit. Yeah, for real. That thing is messed up. <laughs> yeah. And so if you didn't already know, the statue that this that this lady makes is turned into an evil clone of Billy. And so they're trying to discern which one's the real Billy. Uh, the evil Billy does fucked up shit to the command center. All this other stuff. And Steals their communicators, all that kind of. Yeah, just standard, like, clone, evil clone shit. Which is actually, the stealing of the communicators is actually a really good scene. Because, like, Evil Billy has showed up, and he's been slightly off since the beginning, but he's also doing his best, and, like, they're not, like, immediately tipped off that something's wrong, but he's acting fucked up. He's lifting weights nonstop, he doesn't want to study math. Uh, that alone is suspicious for billy he, he he like blows off the girl at the, the juice way bar he blows her off at the juice bar can we incredible talk about that maximum chad energy he like <laughs> he goes to the juice bar knowing that she's there and she's like hey billy and billy like looks around and like ignores her. her and she's just like <gasps> and leaves and i'm like <laughs> Damn, bruh. Like, just incredible. <laughs> just a power move. And then, but then he goes over to the Rangers and he's like, uh, hey, I need to upgrade the communicators. And and he's like, Zordon wanted me to. And they're like, we don't remember hearing anything about that. What's up with that? And he just starts doing techno babble and they're like, okay, whatever. You know, and it's just. That alone would have been a hilarious scene just with that, because that is actually very funny. Because so many times Billy has sort of launched into his explanations and everyone tries to kind of listen. And it's like this time they really are just like, ah, oh, whatever, take the communicators. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I just really love that. But Tommy, Tommy goes, um, I'm going to keep mine just for now. Fix the other ones, then fix mine, just in case. And evil Billy is like, mm, he's like frustrated, but he doesn't want to blow his cover. So he's just like, yeah, okay, sure. And like they move on. But like Tommy's still got the communicator. And that allows him to start like basically foiling this plot of the evil Billy and like figuring out what's going on. Meanwhile, the real Billy is in the dark dimension, which in this episode is referred to as Goldar's dark dimension. It's been referred to as being belonging to a few different people at a few different times. But I just want to say, I like the idea that this weird place that like they occasionally capture the Rangers belongs to Goldar. Like this is something that's like hit one of his weird little things that he has going on. Yeah, I like it too. It's his home. <laughs> he lives in a fog <laughs> He just stands around in there going. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. <laughs> I'm sure it's not healthy for him in the slightest. This is definitely so props to Billy. This is like a great like Billy is actually kind of a, a, a dank character and he gets to show it off sometimes. This is actually like a great thing for him. Um, Goldar releases a magic smoke that's supposed to make Billy go to sleep. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to do math and stay awake. 
and he keeps himself awake doing fucking math trying to figure out how to break out of there and he ends up using his art project which, which was a hologram to like fry this device that's like keeping him frozen in place and use that to escape and that's actually like we've talked about how billy can be like a really cool character at times and i know you especially are like a huge billy stan i'm also a low-key billy stan we just love billy around here Shout and this is David like Yost, man for real david yost incredible job Come on um, the show. <laughs> do it um but billy like billy kicks ass in this scene like a lot you really get the impression that a lot of other rangers would have been foiled by this and needed to be rescued by someone else given like the impressions that we've seen because like we've seen other rangers get trapped in the dark dimension and require someone else to rescue them right like but like billy's like nah i'm gonna get myself out of here you can't put me to sleep with your magic smoke I i'm too smart for that i'm gonna find my way out of here it's just awesome yeah yeah, a thousand. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, the episode ends with Billy basically being like, "Hey, sorry I treated you like shit. Let's go out on a date." And I'm like, "Yeah, you kind of owe her one for that, dude." And she, the episode ends with um that lady making a golden Power Ranger statue with Billy's face on it. And I know what you're thinking: Is there gonna be a gold ranger and Billy's gonna be able to go into it? To which we answer, no, that doesn't happen. No. But like, <laughs> in any other show, that would be like a foreshadowing thing, right? But no. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, it's not the case. Though it, that Gold Ranger uh, statue definitely looks really gaudy. Oh, yeah. It's something else. It's something else. And it's also a funny scene because it's juxtapositional humor. You know, we know that Billy is a Power Ranger. But everyone else in the classroom is kind of like, Billy, a Power Ranger? That's so funny. And Bulk and Skull in particular are like, ha ha, that's ridiculous. That would never in a thousand years be true. And you just have to appreciate the juxtapositional humor of something like that. Um, I, I want to draw attention to one other thing that happens in the episode before we move on, which is around the middle, Tommy's horrifying nightmare fuel, I'm definitely suffering from trauma art project, turns into a monster. And Tommy goes, Man, I should have done a painting instead. <laughs> Just one of the best moments of the whole season, first of all. Second of all, you mentioned this. like They're like, they shouldn't be like playing with Putty. And it's like Tommy kind of acknowledges that in the episode. Like, oh, I should have just painted something like Kimberly, you know? <laughs> It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I, th I think so as well. It's, it's, just, it's just, why? Like, why not just scrap the whole thing while you're ahead? Because like it didn't even look good. It's like one of those things where he feels compelled to finish it. It's just like something inside me is telling me that I need to finish this. <laughs> it's really incredible, I think, too, because it's just like, You've seen Tommy be good at almost everything, and now here's this art project, and he sucks at it. And not only does he suck at it, but he's giving it his all, and he sucks at it. He's trying his hardest, and he sucks at it. He's bringing his absolute A-game, and he sucks at it. <laughs> like, yup. 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 <laughs> 
it's 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 a funny it's a good moment for tommy's character for sure for sure but is it a good season ender Eh, i mean i get where you're coming from with the like maybe it doesn't matter but i think it matters (laughs) (laughs) and i think i think it's a poor i think it's a poor season ender well i mean yeah Um, you want everything to just be avengers endgame at the end of a season sure but i I don't know i kind of do like because it kind of seems like hey you know there's going to be another season coming that, that's what I like to see. You know, it's like, hey, this is going to go on for a bit. So I don't mind it ending on episodes like this. I don't know. It just feels like the first two seasons both revolve around this, like, having a really big plot, like, three quarters of the way through that feels like it should be where the season ends. And then they're like, actually, we need more money. So here's 17 more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk some overall thoughts i guess actually let's talk our ranger rankings before we get yes into our, before we get into our overall thoughts for the season let's go into yes. ranger rankings all right from that. worst to best Shit. who's your pick first from worst starting yes. worst starting i think that honestly this season in particular trini is just a, a paper bag until she leaves this isn't like i'm not trying to disparage the actress I'm just saying, like, her character, though, was written like crap this season. And she wasn't written that good in season one. I think I have to rate Trini just... I think I have to rate her the lowest now. I would say above her would be Rocky, the new Red Ranger. (laughs) Then, like, Jason or Aisha, they're, like, the next two in the list. Let's take it from the top. Uh, I'll go from the bottom. So from the bottom up, I'm going to say it goes... (laughs) Rocky and then Trini for the same reasons you listed Rocky is more offensive to me than Trini's entire appearance in the second season because Rocky is supposed to be this leader character who like exhibits the leadership qualities that all Red Rangers are supposed to you know he does all of he's supposed to be all of these things his introduction like it's whatever right we we agreed that a ninja encounter sucks ass but he seemed fine and then as like time went on, every time they gave him a chance to talk, he underdelivered. Every single time. Yeah. <laughs> and like there was one moment where not only did he underdeliver, but he acted petty. And it was around Green I think it was around actually it was around Return of the Green Ranger where right. he caught he knew that the Green Ranger was betraying them. Like, he knew Tommy was betraying him and that he was a traitor and all this other stuff. And not really the Tommy that they knew. And he just he just rolled with it. He was like, yeah, it's because you're a traitor. And then they kept walking. And then Tommy stopped him and then, you know, whatever. The, the whole fight started. But he just seemed fucking petty. He seemed petty that he wasn't the leader, that Tommy was the actual leader. And he didn't do anything to justify himself to be different, whereas Jason did. Yeah, you definitely don't get the camaraderie which is one of the things that makes Jason's character kind of better as it goes, honestly, is like Jason and Tommy have this kind of cool friendship. And you don't get that at all with Rocky and Tommy. Like Rocky just seems jealous. <clears throat> he seems jealous. He yeah. Seems like a stand in. He's like, I am here because the Red Rangers, the Red Rangers in these fight sequences. So I have to be here. I'm here because you have to have a Red Ranger to have the Power Rangers. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess it's because we didn't have the Pachinko Machine episode in here either, which apparently was, like, Rocky's big episode. But uh, it just didn't—it wasn't a part of, like, the canon. 
apparently. I think I think you know I I I watched a little, like I said a tiny bit of stuff outside the canon, and I think you do get to see Rocky shine a little bit outside of like the canon list a little more, which is part of why I just barely ranked him above Trini. But I basically agree. Like he's he's pretty much trash. <laughs> Well, let's just even count the episodes that he's in. So we watched 26 episodes this season out of 52. So we have have 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 17 episodes that he's in. And, like, that's a lot of screen time. That's a lot of time for his character to be way better developed. So I, for sure. I, don't, I don't take that as, like, an excuse of, like, oh, the canon list that we have here. Uh, isn't representative of Rocky. I think Trini is going to be right above just for the sake of the fact that she only had five, like five lines. Most of it was like congratulating Tommy on becoming the White Ranger. There was a moment she kissed him on the cheek, by the way. Yeah. Whereas everyone else kind of just like gave him a hug or whatever. Even Kimberly didn't even do that. And I was like, that's interesting. But obviously that's just a part of the culture that just seeps through the show somehow, you know, makes its way through. It's a, it's sure. a congratulatory episode. But yeah, Trini just doesn't have lines, doesn't have screen time. So, therefore, she's there. Um, I would also put Zach, like, probably right above that. Or no. Really? No, no, no. I wouldn't. No, nah, you got to I wouldn't. I think, Aisha, I think yeah. Aisha goes above like that. Like I said, Jason and Aisha are next. They're, they're about the same for me. I disagree. Um, uh, Aisha reads off the script. Her performance isn't good. It's serviceable, though. I don't feel bad. Like, when, when Aisha's on screen, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. The problem is, is that Aisha's delivery, like, she tries to put energy in it, but it just comes off as awkward. And to be fair, she isn't written well either. Like, at all. Like, no, most of her no. voice lines are, like, standard commands that you do in battle or whatever. Or, like, just, like, yeah, guys, we can do this. Or, you know, women do be shopping, am I right? They they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, According to the Power Rangers season two, yeah, they do. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel I feel where you're coming from. I I disagree slightly, but not really strongly. Like I feel like it's just splitting hairs. Like it's all bad for the most part in terms of just like these these characters. Just a lot of these characters aren't well realized. Um, that are falling into the bottoms of these rankings, you know. Yeah, and. I don't think Zach is that great this season. I don't think he had enough time to really develop, especially out of the episodes that we watched. He was still a smart character, but he just didn't get a lot of he didn't get a lot of screen time. No, he didn't get really get to be his himself or do a lot of like interesting Zach things compared to season one. I agree. I think the next up for me kind of sort of dancing around this, but like what has Kimberly done this season? Other than be Tommy's girlfriend and shop. Well, I will actually say that, you know, we're referencing the shopping in um, the wedding. She actually mentions because they're kind of giving her a hard time about all the shopping that like she's literally just buying gifts for all of her friends and family. And I, I think that like Kimberly, her character, it's it's the same as season one. It's always the little things like that that endear you to her. And it just barely makes her one of the better characters. But it doesn't give you a whole lot to work with most of the time. Um, I think her becoming the the class president is a good moment for her because like that's like, you know, a moment where it's like, hey, we can say all kinds of things about 
the way class presidency is this sort of traditionally gendered thing. And there's like some sort of like, you know, kind of like, oh, of course it's Kimberly, you know, kind of tropes going on. But at the same time, it is like, it hey, have to be. They could have um, invented a different character to go against Tommy and Tommy would have won. They didn't have to do that story. Sure. Sure, but but I will say to the credit of what how it unfolds, as tropey as it is, it is a chance for Kimberly to stand out and like get to sort of be like the leader for an episode because a lot of the Rangers kind of get that at some point. She's also um, the only Kim one that's able to really counter Tommy's shit when he's being an absolute fuckhead, you know? Yeah, no one else can really like even get him to like listen, but like if Kimberly speaks, he like has to stop. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, also, that's just like, yeah, she's just being a girlfriend. But I mean, they they definitely did. A, she definitely expressed, was able to express her range of acting abilities here. So I'll I'll give her I'll give her up over Jason. Yeah, I th I still think Jason's above yeah. Aisha. I don't think that they're the same because I think like Jason, for as little of screen time as Jason has had in season two, you had missing green. And all the episodes before that, it's not like his appearances weren't noticeable. Like, he still brought the same energy that he was bringing in season one, which is fun to watch. Like, I've come to, like, really like it. Yeah. He gets the bad boy earring as well. You know, yep. they all kind of get that makeover. He's looking, he's looking pretty fresh, pretty fly for a white guy. Of course, he went out, but he went out with a fucking bang and missing green. <clears throat> um. So, yeah, I, 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 I got to at least put him above, like, Aisha and stuff like that. And then... I think Kimberly is probably above that. And then now yeah. we get into like the three guys. So you've got like Adam, <laughs> Billy, and Tommy. And I had an original order that I was going to go in with here, but I changed it. So I want to know what yours is. Cause the more we discussed, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. You're going to, you're going to like this. I think honestly, like number three is Adam. He's a good new character, but he's just kind of too new and like doesn't really get to shine enough to, to like fully make you appreciate him. Um, but you start to really appreciate that like Adam at first, on first glance, you feel like he's going to be more serious than Zach. Like he's going to bring a more serious tone to being the Black Ranger, right? But then, like, actually, he's pretty goofy. Um, <laughs> and, like, in his own way, like, he sort of has this, like, he he's like the guy that you don't expect to crack the great joke. But then 30 minutes after you've been hanging out, just, like, drops a fucking zinger on you that, like, makes the whole room, like, bust a gut. Like, that's Adam's, like, sort of, like, the way he reads a lot as a character. And I do like that. Um, and, uh... Uh, he just doesn't get to like fully shine enough in this season to eclipse the other two. Um, but great character overall. Number two is Tommy. That's right. That's right. I'm about to do it. Number one is Billy for this season. That's right. I'm giving you. I'm giving it to you. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were going to agree with me on that because when I came into this, I had like I think I came into this. I was like Billy, Adam, Tommy. And then I was like, no, I really didn't like Tommy's character change. So I was like, I'm going to put him at number two. But then I was like, I can't put Adam at, at number two or number one. And the main no. reason was, was because Adam had a scene in Return of the Green Ranger where they get warped back into the past. And he's like clearly going through his teenage hormones because he wants to like, he's considering staying in the past or like 
taking like seriously considering staying in the past so he can bone this uh pilgrim then he's like oh no you can come with me to the future and i'm like bro you're destroying the timeline get the fuck out of there and then not more than two minutes later uh after she says goodbye to him and she's like i i'm in i'm in my world you're in a completely different world than me bye and he's like okay and then he's telling the rest of the rangers when he gets back he's like i'm so sad i wasn't able to bang the pilgrim and then her descendant that looks exactly like her walks by Adam. And then, like, I guess she drops something or whatever, and they both go to pick it up. And then he sees her, and he's like, oh, shit. Aw, yeah. I get a second chance. Let's go. I don't know why they focused on, like, the main thing about Adam in these canon episodes is relationships. It seems like, overall, this season... Had more... Yeah, that's just kind of the season, right? Yeah, the season had... Because I think it's because they couldn't use the Japanese footage as much, right? So they couldn't really invent storylines, wholly new storylines. They had to go over, like, American teenage concepts. But yeah, Adam's character this season mostly revolved around him having relationships. But his overall delivery of acting, fantastic. I thought he was great. Yeah, really good. Yeah. I almost want wanted him to be like the Green Ranger, almost right. He almost seems like a Green Ranger esque character. I I definitely remember that even as a kid, I wanted Adam and Rocky swapped. I was thinking you that know? too, but Adam's a little too goofy for the Red Ranger. But I thought it could have been like a fun, like a fun new take on the Red Ranger, you know? Because like Adam is kind of serious and kind of stalwart, but he's also kind of goofier than Jason. And I just thought it would have been like. Whereas, like, Rocky just felt like, hey, it's Jason, but with different hair color. Um, like, you know? Bad like Jason Adam, with different hair color, mind you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, all credit to uh, the original Jason actor. Like, he's actually not that bad. And, like, this Rocky guy, by comparison, not nearly as emotive or exciting to watch. Um, um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. I just felt like Adam... Adam even like I said, even as a kid, I had that sense. Like, I, I kind of wished Adam was the Red Ranger. Like he just had that energy to me. Like he could have been more of that like co-leader that Jason was where Jason and Tommy are like the best bros solving all the problems together. You know, like Adam had the energy to like actually keep up with that. Rocky did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the more I think about it, the more I'm just like. They should have done, like, better recasts. Because I, I wouldn't even say that, like, Billy, like, the team, like, when Billy, Kimberly, and Tommy are on screen together, and you remember when those episodes, when they were split apart, their chemistry wasn't there. It definitely felt way too off. So we got to notice the, the like, hey, where the fuck is Jason, Zach, and Trini? Right? We noticed that more because the chemistry was so bad between those three. But then it almost feels like the new Rangers have to kind of glomp onto the old ones to get any sense yeah. of, like, character development. And it's just a little awkward because it kind of feels like when, you know, like, uh, like and maybe like a friend, like, moved away or something, right, um, in school growing up. And then, like, you meet a new friend and you're trying to, like, integrate them to your friend group. And it's, like, a little awkward. But it's, like, it's happening to three characters at once, which makes that 
feel even more just like forced, unnatural, and strange. Because it's like, oh, we just changed our entire friend group. Like, we just hang out with a completely different group of people now. Like, <laughs> I almost want to say, like, they could have made <laughs> Billy the Red Ranger this season. They could have just did, like, a power transfer between the Blue Ranger to the Red Ranger and then have, like, Adam or Rocky be the Blue Ranger, more or less. And then Adam can sure, say black why not? or something like that. Like, that would have been that would have been very interesting because Billy was, like, outside of Tommy, you know, huh, it's all about Tommy, right? Outside of, like, those episodes of where it's mostly Tommy-focused, Billy was the one that was doing shit. Billy that was the one that was, like, actively figuring out ways on how to beat the enemies constantly. He was... Yeah, Billy... Billy had his he, shine consistently through this this whole entire season. Yeah, he's building important gadgets. He's solving important mysteries. He's having like um, you know positive and important personal character moments. Even if we joke about you know the fact that like oh obviously it's fucked up that they were like bullying this gay actor not just you know off screen but in effect on screen by making him do all this shit um, and just like play this like caricature like you know Chad this season basically at times like even with that you have to still give it the credit that from an objective just storytelling perspective hey billy's billy's cool this season you know billy walks around school and people are like billy hey is that guy yeah you know yeah. like it's it's a good vibe even if like the behind the scenes politics and the toxicity of some of the storytelling is another matter you know to be fair um, he could have done a bad job acting this stuff too he did a brilliant job. Incredible that, job. That part where he got asked to the dance and like um by by the girl or whatever, and then he went off with her. If this was actual high school, you, you Billy would be like, "All right, guys, I'm off to go get my dick sucked." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like he was totally like exuding that sort of energy and vibe the whole time. It was amazing. He he got his confidence. It it was awesome, and he was like straight yeah. stunned on everybody. And he didn't even have to, like, be braggadocious about it like Tommy did. Tommy, of course, I, I have my issues with Tommy's White Ranger sort of, like, emotive personality not matching up to the VO work. But they drag on a bit about him losing his powers too long. He is, though, the best. I would almost say him and Billy are the best actors. Their performance yeah. on screen is fantastic. So yeah. I really just think it's just Saban. I think it was what really dragged down Tommy's character this season was Saban. I think Saban right. like, fucking up the behind the scenes shit really dragged down his character. It it just it just it's too much of the same stuff with Tommy as season one. And there's not enough new interesting things. A lot of the new things that his character does develop, like you say, they can come across a little awkward. Now I like the change in Tommy's character, but I still agree. He's just not as strong as Billy this season, even, even with that disagreement between us, because I, you just don't really get enough out of him. And the way I would describe it, honestly, is like, there's this kind of aspect to this season that like Tommy and Kim and Billy kind of become like the upper class, like not like a upper class, like, like uh money, money class, but like school, like they become the upper classmen of the power Rangers. 
right? Yeah, they're the cool um, juniors, and they are meeting these cool sophomores or sophomores that they deem cool to be a part of the right. Intro. Yeah, it's like so. With that in mind, it's like okay, so from from the the break point, you know, of like where the ninja encounter starts, and we start getting like transitioning to having the new rangers. It's like okay, here are these upperclassmen now, and like these lower classmen, like you say, kind of like in mingling. And like they're like, yeah, you're cool enough to hang. Um, so there's like a there's kind of a new mystique to Tommy and Kim and Billy in the same way that like if you're a freshman in high school and you're hanging out with a junior and like that junior's talking about parties that they go to and stuff, you're like, whoa. It's like the three original Rangers are like, yeah, we've we've been on all these crazy adventures and stuff. And you know, <laughs> we're like this established trio of badasses within that. It really feels like Billy comes into his own. He is the kid that comes back from, you know, like between junior and senior year. It's like he goes off to summer and he comes back and everyone's like, damn, Billy got hot. What happened? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, dang, senior Billy. I never cared about Billy before, but senior Billy, that's my guy. You know, <laughs> I agree. It, it, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> And so with that being said, like, what are your overall thoughts of the season? I'll get into that, but I'll, I want to say one more praise of Billy because I love him so much this season, okay. which is that the best part about Billy is that he's the least one note character. Yeah. All of the other characters have one thing that defines them this season or nothing that defines them in the case of someone like Rocky. Like he doesn't, I can't even like tell you what his archetype is. Like he's, he doesn't do anything, um, <laughs> but like just to I, I just to keep it simple, I'm just going to compare keep compare the comparison to Tommy and Kim. So by comparison, Tommy this season, again, he his note is I'm the angsty and cocky super weapon. I'm the like guy who's like kind of a mess, but you need I'm your leader. Like, it's basically, there's a couple of notes within that, but it's all basically one note of just, I'm the leader now. Um, Kim's note is, I'm the one who promotes good friendship. I'm the one who promotes the idea that we should all be good to each other, that we should be good to other people, that we should be friendly, that we should be kind. That's her note, right? Billy, he's the mystery solver, like I said. He's the tech guy. He's a ladies man. He's more of an adventurer and a badass this season. So like he's hitting like four or five or six notes compared to pretty much everybody else kind of being like one or two. That's really why Billy wins this season as like the top character. Yup. Yup. Let's go. It's <laughs> Billy season. <laughs> For overall thoughts, season two kind of crap. Honestly, not that into it. Would not strongly recommend that someone put a lot of time into it. I would love to see, like I said, just like maybe like a like a six hour supercut of all the important footage from season two be made by somebody, something like that, you know, because it's like we could just have all the plot in like a few hours and be done. Um, there's some good moments here and there and there's quality levels that are improving in certain areas but it's just not enough overall uh like i mentioned before in one of our previous episodes this is kind of like you know when the excellent indie director gets the big budget and then makes a movie that no one cares about right 
like there's a lot of that feeling this season like everything's glitzier it's more glamorous but it's not compelling and especially there's better i it's i know that there's better stuff to come i know that there's better stuff to come in fact i would say we're we're right around the corner from much better stuff than this so yeah my overall impression of the season it's like like a five out of ten or something like it's not good you know like there's moments but that's it it's really weird seeing us agree so much on one episode because normally we have our we have our disagreements and we'll we'll defer at least slightly on everything but it seems like you and i agree for the most part this is the most roller coaster of a season i can cut like if if i got paid to do it I could do that six hour supercut because it's it's possible. It is within the realm of possibility of being able to cut down season two and all of the important parts. But the the worst part about this season is you'll get treated. It, it's just a constant up and down. The mutiny is like a five. Green dream is like a, a seven. Green no more is like it ranges. It goes from like an like a like I guess like a six to like a five maybe. Yeah. Missing green is a nine. White light part one is like a nine or a ten. You know, white light part two to me is like an eight, maybe. So the ninja encounter is a zero. <laughs> yeah. All over the fucking monster map. global proportions is like a six. Zed waves is like a six. Power transfer is like a four. <laughs> Goldar's vice versa is like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> when is a ranger not a ranger? That's like an eight. You know, the wedding part one is like an eight. Part two is like a five. Part three is like a six. So it's just like a constant, like I'm being treated to like various quality episodes here. And not all yeah. of it's good. And I probably like overrated some of the stuff here too. Like I'm pretty sure some of those sixes are actually like fives or fours. But it's like, yeah, Return of the Green Ranger, like an eight. Almost like probably a nine, almost as good as like white light part one and uh and missing green, but still like green ranger part two is like a, a six and three is like a six, you know? Yeah. So it, it just constantly yeah. like roller coaster ride going up and down and up and down in various degrees of quality. And then once you start to really start nitpicking into the characters, it fumbles a lot. So yeah, I'm in agreement. I think this is a five out of ten. I would almost say you can some of these multi-parters, like the ninja encounter or the power transfer, even the wedding, you can cut out some of those like part twos out. Yeah. Return of the Green Ranger is one of the rare instances where the part two is actually pretty good. But like a lot of these three parters, you can cut part two out and be fine. You wouldn't really lose anything. And I think that's the problem because yeah. even with the chaff cut, you still feel like there's some waste of time in here that's just not worth watching. It's not worth spending your time. If I was, my recommendation was, if you are going to watch the season, first of all, definitely watch the episodes that we've mentioned, but also uh, fast forward. Use that fast forward button. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Yeah. Don't think that you Honestly, have to like sit down and watch every eye grossing detail on the screen because more than likely you don't. Even more so than season one, too, I would say maybe skip a few episodes. Season one, I really felt like the watch guide was pretty much what you should watch. There were one or two episodes where I felt like, Oh, this is only a canon because of like one goofy detail that I honestly could have lived without, you know, but technically, you know, affects the plot. I think we Something disagreed like on a monster of global proportion, right? That, the yeah. UN episode. 
But like that was actually yeah, I, pretty crucial to like the understanding of the world. I that's the thing though, is that I feel like a lot of the episodes comparatively in season one, a lot of the episodes that were canon were specifically canon to like the main storyline of the Power Rangers. A lot of the episodes that seem to get justified for season two, it's like it adds to the lore of the characters of the world in some fashion, but it's not even as significant feeling, you know, like nothing happens that really feels as lasting in a lot of these episodes, I think is part of why it feels like there's still filler, you know? Yeah, but like a monster of global proportions, like not only did it introduce like the the sort of like teenage UN that rules the entire world or at least young adult, but like it also introduced like an internet, like the words international hostage situation into a kid's show. I think the problem is, is that the I, the new Rangers stuff, because it was another moment where we had another hand to hand combat scene that is good i'm not saying it's bad but the the fight scene happens at the end of the fight scene kimberly billy and tommy are all like oh thanks guys for showing up you're so cool you know and then they get like chained up again and then the rangers have to save them again you know it's brain i'm i'm over brainwashing as like a plot device I'm gonna start like subtracting points. I, I'm I'm actually I'm a candle stand big time now. I don't mind the candle. The candle's far <laughs> like, more interesting than like we're gonna brainwash this ranger and do something. That happens like I, I, often. I, I wish they had I wish they had if they're gonna make a recurring theme of powers this season that the evil guys are gonna use, do the candles instead. Goofy as that is, it was better. It was original, it was interesting. Um, it had its own like lore to it with the the magical wax and the way it worked and all that. Um, that was like a you know something that you could sink your teeth into. Brainwashing is just like oh they're they're dumb again or whatever they're evil again or it's it's not that exciting. It's not that great. It's <laughs> you know. Before we cut out of here, I would be remiss to forget about the fact that they actively talk about the morphing grid. And we don't yes, necessarily sometimes. get a visual of it or anything. It's just they just talk about it as if it's like a thing. So the morphing grid is what gives the Rangers their powers, essentially. And like, I guess how Zordon and Zed get their powers to be able to do magical things, too. And they talk about it multiple times. Zed talks about like weaknesses in the morphing grid. Um, Zed doesn't seem to necessarily get all his power from it. But he definitely, like, he is aware of it as a source of power. He knows something about the way it works, and he is, like, able to use it at times or, like, manipulate it at times. Yeah. For sure. Um, so it's definitely, like, understood by him. Um, it's not something that, like, only Zordon understands. It's like, no, like, the bad guys know what this this power is that y'all use to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like it. Uh. I hope they elaborate more on it sooner rather than later because I think it's a cool thing that we never really get to see or explore. It's just kind of talked about. But I, I wouldn't say it's foreshadowing, but it definitely alludes to the fact that that's something that's going to be explored in the future as like a means of like continuing the show beyond like 60, these two 60 episode seasons or whatever, you know? Well, and it adds a continuity to some of this stuff that we've been talking about that's a little confusing so far. Like, where does Zordon get his power? 
how do the megazords get charged back up? The speed, you know, things like this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. The morphing grid is the speed. Uh, How are you able to do X, Y, and Z? Oh, the morphing grid. That's how. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there's some very interesting scenes. I think the scene that stood out to me the, the most the wedding, right, where Alpha gets brainwashed is when this happens, I think. But Alpha is outside and he is like, oh, it's kind of barren out here. I should use the morphing grid to grow some flowers. Um, and he just like makes these flowers like instantly grow. That is very curious, right? Like that, 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 first of all, Alpha 5 does this, which is unto itself kind of interesting because we've gotten some hints that Alpha 5 is maybe not as goofy as he seems, that maybe he's a little bit more savvy to this shit uh, than he seems and like more like tied in and like knowledgeable, you know, mm-hmm. like and and this is a huge hint that Alpha 5 is more than meets the eye. Um, because he's just like, oh, let me just use the morphing grid to make some magic happen because I feel like it. That's wild, actually. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, if Zordon did it, it wouldn't be as surprising. But for Alpha 5 to do that is nuts. Honestly, it's a very crazy scene in terms of like the overall canon and the implications and where these powers come from, how they're used, what they mean, blah, 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 blah. It's just it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, let's hope Saban doesn't fuck up next season too. So we can explore more <laughs> of that. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers. And may the power protect you.